Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Red Men TV podcast. It's me, Chris Pajak, joined today by one Mr. Ben Kelly. Ben. Hello. Have we done the main podcast before? I've never done the main podcast before. It took me nearly two years to be invited on. Wow. <laughs> okay. No, um, so we'll no. see how you I'm perform excited. and yeah. let's see if it's going to be another excited. two years. I've never... It's, it's, not, it's not only the main podcast, but also the, the, when you get to the... To the bonus Q and A later, and you get a bit more of the wacky questions. That's always that's always they, a good luck, they so. are brilliant. And if you do want the rest of the podcast, we do split this into uh, the Q and A section goes on to the RedmenTV.com. It's five pounds a month. If you like it, keep it. If you don't like it, just fuck it off. No one's asked. Um, except me. I, I'm really asked because you know I, I want your money. Quite <laughs> frankly, um, what? I'm being truthful. It's marketing Redmen TV style. Uh, nobody ever fucks it off. Loads of people fuck it off. No, they don't. I'm only kidding. They don't <laughs> fuck it off. Uh, so we've got a kickoff question as per this time. It's come from Paul Jenks Guitar, which is incredible, really, that a guitar can type. But hey-ho, here we go. For some reason, Klopp can't be around for the remaining Premier League games, Ben Kelly. Let's say he gets arrested for being really disappointed at a journalist question. We can get a past Liverpool football club Premier League manager in to hold the fort for the remaining games. Who, Ben Kelly, do we get? We get, I mean, the the short answer is Rafa Benitez. Is it? Is that the long answer as well? Uh, The longer answer is it took me a little bit of time because I think... For me, growing up, I wanted to pick somebody who I was aware of. So that kind of rules out anybody before Rafa because I don't really remember Julier and Evans. I've got no chance. I think Souness was in charge when the Premier League started. We had the debate upstairs about you know Rafa's won us the league. And even though 
Julier won us a few things as well. I was Rafa half, won us the, 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 the Champions League, sorry, obviously. Um, obviously, for me then, it's, it's Hodgson was after Rafa, it's not going to be Hodgson. You could. There's a case for Kenny because ba- Bailey made the good case that at this point, if you wanted just somebody to tie you over for nine games, do you go like basically Solskjaer style, somebody to come in and go, you lot are great, you're going to do this, all that. But also, like, there's a case for Brendan Rodgers because he's got me closer to seeing us lift a league title than any other Liverpool manager has. But I think just purely be for the for the calming influence and the tactical. You know, astuteness that that Rafa has, and also the experience of winning stuff with the club, his relationship with the fans. I think it's. I think for me, it's pretty much nailed on Rafa. Okay, there's the long answer. I like it. No, I like that. Um, it was between two for me. It was between Rafa Benitez and Kenny Dalglish, and you know, it was, I was a little bit up and down. And Bailey's Bailey's fucked me over here because he mentioned before he's gone a little bit wide on the camera because I like to talk with my hands, <laughs> and I was like, do I really? <laughs> and I start I start talking for the first time, and I'm weighing stuff up, right go. and left. Yeah, so he was right, now, yeah. and now I don't like it, so I'm just gonna have to sit on my hands for a little bit, like I'm in a strippers again, <laughs> uh, which is something that I have to do because otherwise I will touch. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, the answer for me, I ended up with, was Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, and the reason that I ended up with Kenny Dalglish is for probably exactly what Bailey was saying before, is that, you know, nine games to go, I just want someone who the team can look up to and go, he knows how to win this. We He's won a, a Premier League with Blackburn in, in 1995 or whatever it was, but he's also won league titles for Liverpool. And, you know, it's, it's Kenny as the Premier League manager, and that was the one thing that made me hesitant, because I don't think he's as good a Premier League manager as he was a First Division mm-hmm. manager, because the game's changed and moved on so much but really how much time is he going to be able to spend on the training ground with yeah. with players you know I think if for this is my thought process if Rafa Benitez came in could Rafa Benitez keep playing at this Liverpool side playing the same way and I went you know what I think Kenny could I think Kenny would just let them go out and express themselves and play with a little bit more freedom and actually divert the attentions away from everything else yep. you know he can be that shield you saw Kenny when he was uh, the manager the second time around he was just a shield he, he didn't he sniped at the press and all that type of stuff so I thought it would be between Rafa and Kenny and I came down uh, with Kenny Dalglish but a great first question from Paul's guitar thank you very much on to the news in brief then uh, Under-23s tasted Derby defeat last night, Ben. They did. You yeah. were there for us. You were in the press box. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, unfortunately, lost 2-0. Uh, Everton won a Derby at Anfield. I know. It was mental. I took a picture of the scoreboard at the end. I'm going to put it up for Halloween to, <laughs> to scare everybody. No. Um, Everton Everton are a good side at Under-23s. That was, did that tickle you? That Yeah. yeah. Um, Everton are a good side at Under-23s level, but Liverpool's Under-23s season has been a bit of a... A weird one because they've not been beat prior to last night. They hadn't been beaten since November, but they didn't have a great start to the season. So they sit fourth in Premier League two after last night's fixtures. Actually, I don't know whether they've dropped to fifth, um, but but they, they were sitting fourth in Premier League two going into the game last night. Um, we've obviously we've got some we've got some really good players in there, but last night we weren't very good at all. Um, and I don't know how much of that was down to. Everton being really good, they you know they've got some good players. Um, you know um, the the lad who scored Broadhead, um, Nathan Broadhead. Um, I, I, like I wouldn't be surprised if I see him around the Everton first team squad. You know particularly as we get into that stage of the season now, which where Everton are like their season, even joking aside, is basically over. They're not going to go down. They're not challenging for European spots. So they're in that stage of the season where they may have a few of the young players give some give some of the young players a, a bit of game time. So he's probably going to be one of them. Um, just just on that, and I know this is listen. This is obviously a Liverpool based 
podcast, but I always find it quite interesting to talk about other teams at times. And do you think Silver's in a position where he can blood some youth, or do you think he's still feeling pressure from the Everton fan base that he needs to actually get his first team producing? I don't. I don't know if the Everton the pressure from the fan base is is a worry for him as long as he's got. The, the reassurances from the board that his job isn't in trouble, I think he will look to do it because why not? I mean, if you if, it's like for us, you know, we, we've got some really good players in our under-23s and we're trying to blood them in best we can. It's, it's difficult when we've got such a good squad, um, you know, and there's some players that, that I know, that, that I've heard of from talking to people last night, that, that are quite frustrated with the manager at the moment from our perspective because they're not getting in the side. But what can you do when you've got a front three that's world-class, world-class defenders in Van Dyke? You know, it's difficult. I think from Everton's perspective, if the... If the, if the first team players aren't performing, then you know why not bring in at this stage mm-hmm. of the season some hungry young players who will want to make an impact, who will want to create a connection with the fans. And I think, like I say, if if Silver's got reassurances that his job's safe, no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, I think he should look to do that. Okay, I, that's interesting. I, I again, I, I slightly differ, probably on my opinion there, and I I, I would look to have. If I was silver, I want my first team firing on all cylinders, and I'm not sure he's quite got that yet. So, it's a tough one, isn't it? You've got to balance next season and the seasons after with the team right now. Um, it's, it's going to be difficult. Um, <coughs> a player that was rumoured to be in and around the squad for last night's under twenty three game was Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Did he feature at all, Ben? No, he didn't. Um, it was a really good marketing move, if nothing else, to to get people buying them five pound tickets and then announce five hours prior to the game. Oh no, it'll be it'll be Friday instead. Come come to Friday's game. Um, no, he didn't, which was unfortunate, but uh, it was. It was a, it was a physical game, and I think I think it was probably a smart decision. You know, at any level, under 18s as well, derbies are physical games. You know, there's quite a few local lads in there for both sides who want to win, particularly from the Everton perspective, where you know, all joking aside, I'm sure they all want to win a derby at Anfield, obviously. So they're all going there. There was a little cluster of away fans in the cup. You know, the, so it's 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 all it's got the feel about it. Um, you know, and there were quite a few heavy challenges. There were a few, you know, spells where physios had to come on and, and do their job. So I think from from Everton's perspective, if Oxley Chamberlain was in that side last night, there would have been a bit of well, let's let's leave some on in, let's let's test him a bit, and you you can't blame him. So I think I think it was probably a smart decision. Okay, well he is close though. Yeah. Um, he will probably be due for a return at some point over the next week or so. Um, that's absolutely massive for Liverpool. I think we've talked all season long, haven't we? So many Liverpool fans keep saying big Oxley Chamberlain hole in this mm-hmm. side you know we need those driving runs from the centre midfield we need someone who's going to pick the ball up who's going to put the goalkeeper under pressure from distance it feels like we've been waiting so long and it's nearly a year and yeah, we have been I waiting know. for friggin ages to get Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain back in he's got I think I think he's got something to say in this title race and I don't know whether it's just me I don't know whether you feel the same on this but feels like if he can come back in and get through a few games on adrenaline he might be a huge be difference maker for us. His, his relationship with Mo Salah last season was really starting mm. to blossom and, and that's something that it's unfortunate that he's had this sort of stumble in his momentum in that case, you know, breaking that down. And I'm sure he'll be able to build that up again. I'm sure they're, they're all mates off the pitch and all that. But I've always said pretty much throughout this whole injury break for him that there are some players or, you know, throughout sort of, you know, history, I suppose, Big when when players suffer these big injuries, you know there are cases where players just haven't come back the same. Yeah. But I am convinced that you know you, we've been kept up really with Oxley Chamberlain's journey, recovering from this from this knee injury. His mentality is is just that elite 
athlete's mentality. I don't think it's going to be like that for him at all. I think he's going to come back. You know what? We may not see the best of him. No, you know, even if he comes back in the next few weeks, we may not see the best of him through this season. But I think I think we will see the same player eventually. You know, the same with Joe Gomez, who's come back and he's you know he's performing. He's young enough to recover the form properly. Um, you know, and not let the not let the injury define his career. And I think that's what he's been determined to do throughout throughout this whole recovery process. The thing that interests me most about this, and I was speaking about this maybe a couple of months ago, is. You know, we've seen Alex. You mentioned it, and his him coming back into the side and his recovery, and we've it's been very well publicised by Liverpool Football Club. And I don't know why Liverpool have done that, but I've got a theory on it. We'll talk it through now. I don't know whether this is just the new social media Liverpool that are going to do this for every player, but it feels like such a smart move by Liverpool because li- listen, if they're going to do this for every player, brilliant. But if not, they've decided that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is the guy that's going to get the focus. The fan base want to see him. They've heard us talk about him for so long that we're interested to see where he's up to. You know, but not only that, it's going to help his recovery. You know, you sh- he, he they put a post out like a month or two ago. Him just starting to get back on the weights or running and or being at Melwood, and everybody's talking about him online, and he can't help but see that, mm. and it'll gee him up even more to get back fitter, stronger, yeah. faster than yeah. before. And I just wonder whether that's a thing for mentally for the player that he's now like, I need to get back in for this fan base who are wait, can't wait to see me. But also, or is it just Liverpool are just going to do this now because they've never done it before? It's interesting. I don't know if it's partly because. Uh, maybe they've sort of used it as a maybe they'll they'll decide on the back of this whether they're going to do it for everybody i feel for me it kind of like reflects his personality in a way if it was one of the quieter in you know in quotation marks players in the squad say it was somebody like like a Lallana maybe yeah Lallana or, or a Matip you know I don't know we'd have I don't think we'd have got this but I think because of you know Oxley Chamberlain he's one of the nicest blokes on earth he's so bubbly he's always happy to chat to you you know he, he's so good in interviews and he gets on with everybody in the squad he's already starting to he was already starting to build up that connection with the fans with some big goals and things like that and I think it's important it was almost important for his his mentality really of of you know, getting through this to recognise that people miss him almost. I don't know whether that's part of it, but yeah, I think I think the the amount of I think I think the way we've been allowed to look into his recovery process and and he's been so open about it as well. I think that's benefited him and and us as well. I think absolutely both ways. Well, it was supposed to be news in brief, uh, but we've <laughs> done quite a few minutes on them, so we've got one final news in brief story, and it's the Echo report and the Klopp didn't play Kaita because of trust, and this isn't. A report in the sense of Klopp's told them this. This was an opinion-based um, article that was written, and it was James Pearce actually wrote it. Interestingly enough, and you know, um, Kaita was coming into a bit of form. He played well against Bayern Munich. He played well against Bournemouth. I think he's played like you know six minutes since yeah. over Man United and Everton and all that type of stuff. And it's a bit disappointing, really, isn't it? You know, when you think you're finally getting to see the best out of a player. But I suppose the piece was talking about, and I'd like your opinion on this, Ben, is whether. Whether we've seen enough of Cater, I mean, it's one thing performing against sides who are um, expected to get beaten by Liverpool, but yeah. it's a completely different one to go into Old Trafford and Goodison Park as a Liverpool player. Uh, and if Klopp isn't impressed with his work off the ball, and he's very impressed with his work on the ball, but doesn't trust him to do the defensive sense, uh, work, then it makes sense that he's not put him in the firing line for these games. But really, he's been here for nearly a year now. Um, you'd expect him to be trusted enough, wouldn't you, at this point? Yeah, it also depends for me. I think a big one is we still, again, this, 
a perfect example, sorry, just briefly going back to the Chamberlain stuff. We don't really know a lot about Naby Keita in terms of what's his personality like. He, he seems He's supposed very, to be a shy very, guy. very quiet and shy. And I don't know whether there's a, not, a, trust is the wrong word, but is there a lack of confidence in Klopp that he can overcome back and he can at this point overcome that in the big games. You've got to have balls on you to go and put in good performances at Goodison at Old Trafford and Old Trafford. For me, the Watford one is the disappointing one because that's where he should be playing and getting his minutes if that's the case. So I don't know why he's not playing against Watford, but there's a variety of reasons that that could be. You know, we we spent all season up until Christmas going, where's Fabinho? Where's Fabinho? Mm. And it's just, it's all about taking time. Klopp likes but to do this. That's now a player that you clearly see yeah. the Klopp trust. The benefit, Fabinho. yeah. So maybe maybe going into next season, having had another full pre-season, you know, again, I'm sure they'll be going out to wherever and doing pre-season tour, stuff like that. For me, we've got to see more of Keita doing... I don't know. I don't even know where he's up to with the language, but he's got to. We've got to be doing seeing more media duties from Cater to get get. Let us get to know him a little bit. We can't. All we know at this point is that one minute video that he did right at the beginning of him when he when he was unveiled. He was like, "I'm scared of dogs," and you're like, "Oh right, okay." We don't know anything Listen, more about him, and, and that's interesting in and of itself, isn't it? You can read into what's not being put out there because mm. I think we saw lots of videos with the Ox and players who've come in who've done these like best mate videos and all that yeah. type of stuff that we've been doing. But clearly, Klopp might be going to him. Listen, you don't do any of that until you sort this stuff yeah. out on the pitch, and when you sort that, you get to do a little bit more of that if mm. that's what you're interested in. Or maybe he's not interested in it. Maybe but that, is, just... is that a problem? Because it shouldn't be. He's for, a footballer. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean it's a problem that that. He He's not interested in that because I think, I, I'm think, not asked if he's not. Do you, do you think? I, no. I think I think there's a little bit of. A, I mean, our, my assessment of our fan base in general is that we that we like to have that close connection with our players, and if there's a player who's not interested or distancing himself a little bit from us and having that sort of connection through whether it be a phone screen or a laptop screen or you know journalists with the press talking through people like that I think that is a little bit of a problem because you know even even players like Jordan Henderson did a fantastic interview prior to the Champions League final last year I think it was with um, it was with Paul Joyce maybe yeah I think it was with Paul Joyce you know it, it, they're talking to us all the time through the press but we're not we're not hearing any of that with Kate at the moment and it's not it's not a massive concern it's not like I'm losing sleep over it, but I think over the next six months or going into the next season, I would like to hear can a bit I, more. Can of I ask you way. this then? If Naby Keita scored ten or fifteen goals this season and put on ten assists, are you asked that he's doing interviews or not? Um, no, probably not. I think it's I think it's a fair question, but again, it's like he's not though, is he? No, so, no, so, no, no. But, so, so it, why, why would you say? Why would you think? My opinion. Why would you say? Oh, he's got to do more of that. No, sort that out. Yeah, but it's sort all, that it's, out it, first. It's, is it not all linked in the sense of that's you know one of the reasons that perhaps he isn't getting into the side is because for whatever his personality with his team we don't know how well he's getting on with the rest of the team like you say he's never he's not doing any of them best mate videos he's not doing any of the publicity stuff all I'm saying is we just don't know a lot about him and that's because of that's because of that lack of interaction with the press and stuff like that he could be a sound lad and he's working hard and training I'm just I'm just sort of stabbing in the dark yeah exactly that's it he could be he could be doing nights trying to learn English better and and if that's the case that's more important than doing stuff isn't it Um, I I think just sort sort the stuff on the pitch out and the rest will follow I'm sure of it Uh, and when he feels comfortable and confident in his own skin we might see more of him uh, in the press and stuff Uh, so um, if you want to know any more actually on on the news 
news this week. There's loads more stories that we'll be covering in depth and detail uh, over on the website, uh, theredmentv.com. We're doing the Reds News Roundup tomorrow. Steel's in to host that one. Promises to be a belter of a show, as it always is. Um, big topic. Uh, we've been nearly 15 minutes now. We've not spoken about the Derby. We do have to talk about the Derby, unfortunately. Uh, the Derby day draw. Uh, nil-nil with Everton. Um, are you feeling after a few days, mate? Um <sighs> I'm I'm feeling pretty much. I mean, we did. I did the instant match reaction with Ross straight away. Obviously, instantly after the game. Um, so we got. The, I got the chance pretty early on to talk about it. I didn't do the final word yesterday, but having then, obviously, you know what it's like when you get into the flow of a conversation with somebody. Your thoughts about the game start to unravel a bit, and you know you can get some things off your chest. And to be honest, my views haven't changed much since since that game, since that conversation with Ross. I still don't think. And I think the way it's, the way the fixture list has almost panned out is because because we've drawn for quite a few games now. That draw, in particular, at this at this moment in time, is being put under the microscope more. But I don't feel as if really, if we don't win the league at the end of the season, the draws against Everton and Man United are going to be the games that we look at. And I think that's that's what we tr- ha- we have to try and take the context for me. In on a, on a, on a, on the basis of you know a, the normal context of a season, we've beaten Ma- both Man United and Everton once, and drawn with them once. Away from home, we've kept two clean sheets. We've taken eight points from twelve. That's not the end of the world at all. But be, obviously, because of the context of the title race, it's mm-hmm. different types of context. Because of the t- context of the title title race, you're looking at it now. Or, you know, you get the idiots going. Liverpool have bottled the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look. A point away at Everton for us, you know, because of the the rivalry. I don't. It's not an awful result. It's just. It's just one of them. It's yeah, no, I I agree with that, and I think, you know, for me, it's not. It's not that I've chucked in the towel on the league title, and I haven't absolutely, and I don't think anybody should no, do. And I think not. people have, to be fair. I've seen loads of comments, and maybe not the viewers of this show or whatever, but I do feel like some people have gone the titles, Man Cities. Um, my issue at the moment isn't that. The draws are, are not good results because I do think, you know, in context, Man United away, Everton away, as you say, we get wins against them at home. They're good results. My issue is the team's not performing well enough. Mm. That's my issue. I just feel like we've teams have started to suss us out. And I always say this, and I've always said this. Um, basically, in football, I believe if you start a new strategy of offense, let's say, and Liverpool have done that this season, they played four-two-three-one. You get a grace period where defenses, uh, defenses. Apologies, there's me American <laughs> football fandom coming out. Uh, there's an adjustment period. Yeah. Liverpool now nah, saw it under Brendan Rodgers when we moved to three at the back. They saw it with the diamond. Took a few weeks, but people start to get onto how you're playing against them. Liverpool have. I feel now have become victims of their own success. People are playing a certain way against us. We're struggling against that because of the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain being missing, uh, because we haven't quite got that rotation of forward player to mix it up every now and again because Shaqiri's form's fallen off a little bit. So I'm now looking at it and going, this side's still a great Liverpool side, but they're working much harder for victories at the moment. Um, We can still go on, win out. I still think I still feel we genuinely can do, but I think a few things have got to go our way to do that. Whereas I look at Manchester City now and think I don't think they'll drop points. I think they will. I think yeah. they will. And, and I think it's quite important though for me. I mean, obviously they've got to drop points for us to win the league, but I think at this point, over the next few games, 
secretly Klopp will be like, we just need somebody to take some points off Man City here just to stop all the focus on us. All the talk at the moment is, are Liverpool bottling the title race? Are Liverpool, you know, they've thrown away this lead and all this. What we need is just a little bit of pressure to come off us. And I said I said this last week while we were still top, just, just to be, just to sort of take a breath and go, right, okay, and it, it, it's the narrative because, will change. Yeah, now, the though. narrative will change. Yeah, it has to because we're second. Yeah, and it, uh, now what you'll see is the laser focus of the yeah. UK media and the world media pointing at Manchester City, going, "Can they deal yeah. with the pressure now? Can you yeah. deal with it?" So we'll we'll see yeah. a change of narrative. We have to. Uh, um, it's sorry, be do you though. think though? Sorry, just going back to your previous point about the the the, the formations. Do you think then that what is that down to the? Do you think now it is down to the players to make better, like be more creative on the pitch and make better use of the system that they're going? Or do you think now, as a top manager, Jurgen Klopp needs to look at the system that he's playing and look at the systems that he's got sort of in his playbook, if you like, and go, I need to make tweaks now to again find the grace period where over the next four or five games we can pick up twelve to fifteen points. It's, an in, it's a very good question and I'm going to half arse you a little bit. I might get some splinters on my arse from sitting on the fence here. Um, but Liverpool played against Everton at the weekend and we created and missed three big chances. Mm. So for all Everton wanted was to push the ball wide and whip the ball into the middle, we were still able to create opportunities to win that game. We were still able to create those opportunities at Manchester United. The issue I think we've got at the moment isn't that the system is fully understood. It's that we're not creating as many chances and we need to be more clinical when we get those chances. So you look at someone like a Mo Salah. If we'd have literally just had Mo Salah from last season playing in the game yeah. against Everton, he'd have scored two goals. Yeah. He's not quite... No. He's, a, he's still playing at a world-class level. He's still up there for top scorer in the Premier League and all that type of stuff. He's still dangerous, which we saw yeah. against Watford and Everton. But everything he touched literally went in the back of the net last season. Yeah. And we're not, we've not got that. We've not got one of the best three players in the world playing up front for us. No. We've just got a world-class player at the moment yeah. in Mo Salah. And it's those types of breaks that I feel like that's what we're missing at the moment. Aguero's not missing those chances. No. Unfortunately, he's banging everything in at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. And um, it's just one of them things. There is things the Klopp will be able to do. I do feel like, you know, lots of sides are, are not playing through the middle against us, for example. They're attacking down the wings because it's much better for them if they lose the ball in wide areas, they can recover. Mm -hmm. If they like like when we beat Man City 3-0 last season, if we Play if a team plays through the middle against us, that gives us an opportunity to gag and press, and we're already in the right places to go on and counter attack. We're not getting that this season, but equally, we're not being able to play through the middle either. You know, teams are putting two defensive midfielders in front of a bank of four and go and play it out to the full backs, and we'll see if you can beat us there. And listen, Trent's been brilliant, Robbo's been brilliant in, in, in getting those balls into dangerous positions. But we're not got a, a lead the line striker, no. you know, we can't consistently rely on Marnie out leaping someone in that number nine spot to win a score ahead of goal. It's not something that we're brilliant at that football needs to be so good when we're playing well that one touch football those little one twos you know everything's instigated it's all pattern play Trent runs one way so that Mo Salah runs the other Firmino pulls a centre back and then Mo Salah can cut inside. it's all that and that's what we're having is we're getting people in the right positions we're getting them with the ball at the feet and the ball's just not going in the friggin net and you're like no, come on different. man yeah. but I do think Klopp will have to change it I, th I, th I think he'll have to change tiny tweaks but I do genuinely believe it will have to do it um, while we're talking about the derby then um, one of the big things that's come out of, of the results at the weekend was cop substitutions um, I've got a theory on 
on it. Um, but be interested to hear your thoughts on on, on what, just what you made of of Jürgen's um, changes at the weekend. Um, I think it's difficult, and it's, again, maybe sitting on the fence a bit myself. I mean, we've already talked about Cato and, and why that might have been a reason that he didn't get on the pitch. Shakiri is a di- difficult one because we've we've seen we've already seen the good and the bad of Shakiri really already in terms of the impact they can have when it goes well, but also. You know, particularly starting games this season, he's not really had the desired impact. But you know, he's not—he's not world class. He's a good player, mm-hmm. but he's not world class, so he's going to be inconsistent. Um, and at the end of the day, he's cost us twelve and a half million. So you know, whenever we've already pretty much got our money's worth out of him this season, I would say anything else from this point in is a bonus. But for me, it's—I—I I don't like the Lana personally. I think I think Lallana, I think we're done with Lalana. I think we should be done. I think we should, probably should have moved him on at the beginning of the season. I mean, I think if we had Ox fit, then we might have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe if we'd got in, say, Nabil Fakir, I'm sick of hearing that name, by the way, but, you know, if we got somebody in... Of you that you caliber, did bring him up, Ben. Yeah, I did. But, uh, it, you know, that's the example that people use. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, that's a very good point. Um, You've I, lost your tell of thought now. I, I'm Please thinking tell about me you've about thought. Yeah. Adam Lallana and okay. how we're kind of done with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me to bring on Adam Lallana in a game If we'd where, have signed someone like Fakir. Yeah, um, then I think we may have moved him on last summer. That was my point. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> oh, Nabil Fakir, that Sorry, player that doesn't play me. for us, that saying. half of Twitter does think play for us. Um <laughs> Lost it. Um, I've lost it completely. No, I've not lost it completely. I just think that in a game like that, and it depends really, because a lot of fans viewed the derby, again, as a must-win game. Yeah. I'm not sure in the end Klopp did. I think, again, it's down to performance. Away at Man United, we played that bad at Man United. A point was a good a, a good point. Now, you could argue that a point is always a good point away at Man United, but there's the... There's, there's the cynics out there will say, well, all the injuries happened, Man United were depleted, we should have won that game. But in the second half away, Man United, we were so bad. A point in the end was a good draw. I'm almost thinking the same about Sunday, again, with the performance. Yeah, we created a lot. I don't think it was quite as bad as Old Trafford because we actually created chances at Goodison. But overall, we were bad. We were just bad. And I think it got to a point where Klopp was like, well, really, you know, the crowds against us, Everton were having a bit of a go. Now, they didn't have too many chances either, they were having a bit of a go. He's probably thinking, all it takes here is us to commit one too many men, they surge forward or they get a dodgy set piece, it drops in and they get a dodgy goal and we've lost the game. I think at this point, I'd rather have Milner, somebody a bit more conservative, Milner and Alana on the field, more experienced, more experienced players who are going to keep their heads. Now, Milner didn't have a great game, I didn't think in particular. Lana was a bit non-existent, but they didn't do anything stupid. Whereas you bring on less experienced players, particularly Cater, who can you know maybe lose his way in a, in, a, in an atmosphere like that, and suddenly you you know you're carrying a man, you're carrying a, you're carrying a player, and. You know, Everton can then go and, like I say, get a dodgy goal, and you've and you've lost a precious point. I I, I don't. Th- I think in the end that was his way of thinking. I think it, it, again, context is everything. He's thinking the way we played here. We're away at Everton. 
a draw in the end wasn't an awful result, and I think that contributed to what was going. I on. agree almost completely with everything you've said there, Ben. I, 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 that's exactly how I felt, I, and I said that during the game. You know, I was on the kickoff. If you want to go and see me say it, go. But I'll just <laughs> tell you right now, so you don't need to bother. Um, when he made those substitutions, it was at a time with the game when it started to get end to end. I mean, you look at the possession stats first half, and we're over sixty percent. Second half, we're like fifty two or something mm. like that. Um, and you look at, at how many attacks per minute Everton were producing. From that 46 to, what would it be, 75 minutes, the first half an hour of that second half, Everton were attacking a lot more than we were. It felt end-to-end at the time. And so to bring on an attacking substitution with someone like a Shakiri or a Kaito, you're not 100% believing in defensively. You could have lost the game there. I think he's brought on Milner, he's brought on Adam Lallana. Um, for their experience. Also, it's difficult sometimes to get into a game when you're a sub. And in a game in that atmosphere, and it was an incredible atmosphere that they generated the Goodison, and hats off to the Everton fans for that. Um, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday who said 45 minutes before in the concourse, it was mental. Yeah. Like, And he's like, that doesn't happen. That no. doesn't happen no, at Goodison Park. It, sh- it should do, because Everton are a, a, a good club, but you know, obviously they've lost away over the last few years. My question to you then is, Regarding that, you know, Milner's not going to be around forever. You know, I've already spoken my thoughts on the Lana. Do you that? Do you think? I mean, Shakiri potentially is that, but do you think again a game changer needs to be sort of top of our shopping list in the summer in terms of having somebody who can you you've got on your bench pretty much every week, or you can put in the starting lineup and take out one of the stronger ones in our team to sort of go well. We've got somebody who's pretty much guaranteed every time to to change the game in our favour, and it's difficult to pinpoint those players. I don't know if those players exist. If I'm yeah, honest, yeah, yeah. you know, I think you know, gone are the days of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer playing for Manchester United True. and being one of them. You know, gone are the days of Fairclough being our super sub and all that type of stuff. I think you just need better first eleven players. I think you need fifteen first first team yeah. players. And the first team players are your subs that you bring in. In some games, it's you know a Nabil Fakir style player yeah. uh, playing from the beginning. Some games he comes off the bench. Yeah. Um, I think I think Klopp has always known this season that we've needed an, an extra attacking body. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in for him. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure we sign Allison if we don't sign Fakir. So I think he knew there was two positions. He thought yeah. he could sort one of them, um, and he'd be able to make do. I think the injury to um, Firmino has, has halted us and hurt us a little bit. Um, not that I've been unimpressed with Divock. I think he's been brilliant the last yeah. two games, to be honest with you. But tired probably towards the end against Everton. But certainly going back to the substitutions, Milner and Lallana are experienced players. And what I was going to say was, you know, with 20 minutes to go in a game of that magnitude, in that type of uh, atmosphere, then you need people who can just start straight away, come into the game and just be on it straight away. And for all the, for all people think they're bad players and stuff, they didn't let us down. No. You know, they came in, the touch was good, they tackled Milner did, the first thing he does as he always does, and they just joined the team and and, he, and and listen, Klopp may have been a little bit conservative, but I believe Klopp thinks that City will drop points as well. Yeah. Um and we might be looking back at this going, that was the point that won us the league. Maybe. You never know. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Um so, um little plug actually for the Around the League podcast just yes, been filmed. Mine, yeah. uh, it's a new show on the Red Men TV. Well, I say new, it's been around for quite some time. Now we don't talk about it very often on here though. Start of this season, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Around the League show, it's not just Liverpool focused. You do take a look uh, through the Liverpool lens at all the other sides. Uh, are you enjoying doing the show? I love it. I love it. And and you know what? The, fun, the funny, the best thing about it is I get to do it with Ross. You know, obviously, 
like I said, I said at the top of the podcast, you know, I've been here nearly two years now, and you know, Ross is one of my best mates, so I just get to sit down and chat about footy with him. It's not always, it's it's pretty much never about Liverpool. We we drop it in, you know, bit bit of chat, you know, particularly if we've not had a chance to speak about the game at the weekend, say. But mostly we we try and take off. The, the bias glasses mainly and just discuss football so it's normally the Premier League you know prior to Christmas it was all it was always about Man United but this week for example we've just discussed um, rule changes coming into football you if you've seen those stories this morning um, about you know penalties rebounds the, um, you know handball goals and things like that um, we discussed Tottenham and Pochettino and whether or not Pochettino's taken Tottenham as far as he can take them with the budget that he's got whether he needs to move on um, and further his career by going to somewhere like Man United to win trophies um, and we've also you know in the last few weeks we've had some guests on as well so we had like we had Leanne Prescott on um, we had Baz from Toffee TV to give us the Everton perspective a few weeks back um, and you know I'm I'm emailing and texting people all the time trying to get people in to to join us so it's it's a great podcast I really love doing it okay cool well here's a little clip from said podcast stop my messing with stuff mm. When there's bigger issues within football, so this is FA trying to change rules and obviously make the game better. But how many how many discussions did he make about or bigger deals did he make about uh, grassroots football and racism in football, mm. which is still rife? And I say this because just been doing an assignment on racism in football. Yeah. They could do so much more, and it's all right saying, "Oh, we're with the kick it out campaign, we're promoting this and we're promoting that." Change rules to say that if anyone's caught doing anything, then you'll be taken to to a court or change rules so that you know there's so much of a fee. A, a percentage of a football club has to go towards grassroots football, yeah. or a percentage of the FA income has to go towards grassroots football. Instead, of, well, I'm going off on money. Instead of going, oh, we're going to change penalty kicks now. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because you did you try to be seen to be doing something. Right, as mentioned about three times already, it's the RedmenTV.com. Uh, first month is completely free, then it's just £5 a month. Uh, thank you to those new subscribers from last week who put a discount code out. Um, yeah, lots of, new, lots of new subscribers. I hope you're enjoying your subscription. Uh, we'll get back into this one then. Uh- I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right (laughs) Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. 
Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, this is going to be focused on the title race first and foremost, and this section is going to be focused on Burnley as well at the weekend. Um, so... Here we go. It is the big topic. It's the stresses and strains of a title challenge from a Liverpool fan's perspective. Um, on the whole, how are you dealing with it? Are you enjoying it? A little bit, yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I don't know whether that's the right answer anymore because everybody else around me seems to be like... Have you ever seen that gif of like that thing where that that little teddy bear or something where it's like it's just sipping tea and like yeah. the room's on fire and it's like this is fine. I feel like that's me. Where like Was every- that Ke- is that Kermit the Frog? No, no, no. I don't know what it is. It's just some little cartoon. Oh, where- right. Dog. Yeah, it's like a yeah. I thought I thought it was a teddy bear, but yeah, apparently it's a dog. Where it's just sat there, it's just like drinking something, and it's just the room's on fire. It's just sat in its kitchen. It's like yeah, I feel like that's me because I feel like even even Paul, one of the most optimistic people that I know, half, glass half full, Mister Glass half full, puts a video out on his channel saying he's not coping with it. But part of me's like. I just, I just love that Liverpool are here. It's not, it's not been, it's a rare thing for me in my life. I'm 20 years old and I've seen a maximum of that, yeah, that thing there. Um, Bailey's showing us off camera, which is useless for everybody listening. And 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 certainly useless for me and my eyesight yeah. from over there. Um, but you know, a, a maximum really of, of twice in my lifetime, and I barely really remember the full details of 0809. You know, I, I was 10 when that went down. You know, so I've had one proper title challenge in my life where we've been in it in the last five games. It looks like, fingers crossed, that we are going to be in it until the real, you know, nitty gritty moments of the season. I'm just enjoying watching this group of players. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the manager, you know, Brendan Rodgers, even, you know, even though I thought he was going to be the man to deliver me my first league title in my life, he was always, he wasn't, he was never quite as warm as, as Klopp is. Klopp's just a completely different charismatic man. I'm just trying to enjoy this team while it's here because I know that we all, you know, I remember basically taking Steven Gerrard for granted growing up, thinking, mm. you know, he's always been around for, up until I was 16. Steven Gerrard had always been in the Liverpool squad. He was in the squad before I was born, and then when he left, I was 16. So growing up, you've had great players around Gerrard in terms of you know that 0809 team, particular where you've got Alonso and Torres and, and Mascherano and Carragher and Hippier and Reina. You know, I'm I'm looking at that now, going, we didn't really know what we had until they were all gone. Particularly with like Alonso, you know, when we lost him, that was basically when it all fell apart. And right now, I'm I'm watching Virgil Van Dijk week in week out and going, I genuinely think that we've got one of the best players in the Premier League here, but also one of the best defenders and maybe even already one of the best players that I've ever seen play for Liverpool. And I'm just that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to look. If we win the league at the end of the season, it will be one of the happiest days of my life. I'll probably cry because it's just something that has eluded me for so long. But at the same time, 
I'm trying not to think that far ahead. I'm just trying to think, look, there's two top Premier League sides going for, to, going for this trophy at the moment. As much as I don't like Man City, the way the clubs run and the fans, they've got a top team and they've got a top manager and they play some great football. So even when Man City are on, you know, I watch most of Man City's games because you know I love Leroy Sane, I love Kevin De Bruyne when he's on song. I, I, you know, even Fernandinho does doing all the dirty work in the middle. You know, I enjoy watching them play. But right now, I'm stressed out about it, but I'm also just trying to enjoy it best I can. It's you know. I see people talk about this all the time. I don't think I've ever spoken about this actually. Um, it's it's. A, I don't know whether it's a phrase that people use or they genuinely do. So I'm trying. You said it there. I'm trying to see it that way. I don't try to see it in any way. I just. See I'm a feelings guy. Yeah. I, I feel one way or another. I don't try and guide my own feelings one way. Mm. And I think some people try and do that. They they they, they do say, "Listen, I'm trying to see the positives." I don't get that. But it, I don't get that. So, I'm trying it's to see so the easy to be de- It's so easy to just be dumbed down in the negatives. At the end of the day, look, we do all this and we absolutely love our jobs and we go the game, we pay the money to see the, to, to see the team play. At the end of the day, we can't really do anything to directly affect the results of Liverpool Football no. Club. The closest we can get is by going into that ground every, every other week and singing your hearts out, right? At the end of the day, it's down to the 11 players on the pitch at any one time, the manager and his coaching staff. That's the only people it's down to. So for me, you know, after a loss or after a a tough result at the weekend, you've got to try and look on the bright because what's the point? What is the point in getting dumbed down and the negatives when... Just to, you can't worry about the things that you can't control. That's my opinion. That's my opinion in life. Just there is if there is a problem that you cannot control, it's not your problem. But I wouldn't like people to think that I'm putting a positive spin on something, mm. right? Because yeah, no. I think when people say I'm trying to find the positives in this, they are putting a positive spin on it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not. Maybe that's just an expression that people use. Is what I'm yeah. trying to say. I come out of the games and I feel terrible after a Liverpool draw or after a Liverpool loss, I feel fucking shit. Terrible, mm. right? But give it 24 hours, my feelings have changed. Yeah, I've, ra- exactly I've rationalised it, yeah. it. I've not tried to find positives. Right, it's yeah. just happened to me. I, I go back, I watch the game again, I get a sense of how I feel for it. And then I watch, you know, watching the games again is the best thing you can do because you're taking the emotion out of it mm. and you're looking at it, knowing what happens and not being led by your emotions throughout the game. So I'd implore anybody who feels bad about it to just watch the game and tell me what you'd honestly thought of Liverpool's performance after 24 hours when you've rewatched the game without emotion. Because yeah. I think it changes massively, and that's why maybe that's why I don't put a positive spin on it because I do watch the games again and yeah. I do and I do t- I, I take that emotion out and I just watch it. Go, yeah, Liverpool were good there, bad result, but we were good. Yeah, we deserved to win the game. You know what I mean? And it's interesting. I, I think, think you look at it as well. I mean, you're such a like a statistical and tactical guy. Obviously you do that you do the show for us. So when when you're looking at down that perspective, again, that is that is separating the emotion from the football exactly. itself. And you know, I, I think I think you bet I think if I think if yeah, if I took more time to to look at it in the depth and detail that you do, because I know how hard you work, then I would absolutely probably be the same. But for me, when when I you know, the old Trafford one's the, the best example, I've got no interest in watching that game again because we were so bad. And I've, I I just don't see like I've just got no interest in doing that at all. So for me then, my sort of coping mechanism is 
well, you know, this, this and this. And, and that's what I suppose that is just where we differ in terms of I've got to find the positive spin because... I'm not going to get I'm down. I'm not watching that yeah, shit again. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's it. And that's yeah. fair enough. Like, And I, it'd be interesting to know what, how you guys are all feeling, actually. Let us know in the comments section. How are you dealing? What are your coping mechanisms with this title running? Because, listen, I remember 13, 14, and I don't remember us losing our heads as bad as this. No. Uh, you know, and it was only a few years ago, Did to be honest Did we lose our heads when Od- like this when Odson was in charge? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were on the picket line. <laughs> um, and it was more, and it, listen, that, that is what it is. And that's the one thing that I, I feel and I'm not saying that younger I'm not having a go at younger fans for being younger than me right off the bat younger fans have an opinion based on their lifetime that's fine that I happen to be older than a lot of Liverpool fans and there are Liverpool fans that look at me like I'm a young kid Mm. and that's fine you are what you're experiencing you are your own age right but I can remember how bad it got with Hicks and Gillette And you only know where you are by knowing where you've come from. Yeah. And right now we're eight, nine years removed from nearly going pop. Yeah. And tell you what, what we've been through since then is fucking all right. You know what I mean? We've been to a Champions League final. We've been to Europa League final. We've been to cup finals. We've won a cup uh, in that time as well. And listen, look, you know, we're not as far removed. What is it? We're coming up on 30 years of pool yeah. before they've won the title, right? since they've last won the title, I think Everton are about 35. Yeah. Right? There ain't much difference there. No, no, not at all. But one team's still had success over the time and another hasn't. And really, when you look at it in titles, how far away we've been, and you put that into perspective of Everton only been a few years longer, it was mid-80s, they last won a title. Was it 85? I can't remember. Um, yeah. It, it might have been 85, 86 or 845, I can't remember. We're not that far removed from them, except since then. We've had trebles, we've had Champions League, we've had FA Cups, we've had all kinds. So we're a club that's successful without that league title and we're really lucky to be a fan of this club because not only that, we've got a great team, a great manager. Now I think we've got good owners as well. We've got a fantastic fan base when it all comes together. And generally speaking... Most of the fans are positive, and the problem with Twitter is that this fucking narcissistic echo chamber, and I say this all the time, where bad opinions get fucking blown up. Go to Instagram, no one posts pictures of bad shit. Mm. That's why it's my favourite platform. <laughs> it's just all nice stuff. Yeah. Don't wa- I don't watch the news. I think I don't know whether I've ever told you this. I don't watch the news for anything other than politics, and I read about that, because it makes me feel bad. Yeah. I'm not interested in that shit. I don't need to know about 20 kids dying in a fucking cave. Thank you very much. It just makes me feel bad. I ignore that. Yeah. I just get that right out of my life. Fuck off. Yeah. Flipboard. What am I interested in? These things. I'll read that news. That's how I deal with That's stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't need yeah. to know about that. Fair shit. enough. Fair enough. I mean, as somebody who wants to go into the journalism industry, that I've got to do it. But again, it's again, it's removing that emotion from things and looking at stories and finding interesting stories and stuff like that. I'm doing it a lot for me course at the moment, where you know something's quite sad and you've got to be like. Hello, can I can I interview you about this? You've got to try and take that away. But two two quick points that I want to make on it. First of all, we in terms of this team's performance, again, context is everything. We are perform- we are we are almost over actually overperforming, yet we find ourselves a point behind. Now that is first of all, look, you know, any pretty much any other um 
period of Premier League era that we exist in, we're, we're running away with this league, you know, particularly post-Fergie, between between Fergie and Guardiola, that sort of four or five years, then we're, we're absolutely nailed on for the title. And that's a credit to City as well because they're just so good. You know, God forbid we were doing this last season when City were as good as they were because we'd feel even worse about ourselves. Second of all, Paul's talked about this a lot. This isn't our last chance. No. And what I like, again, you've talked about this just then. We've got a good manager. We've got a good set of young players who, by the way, are all tied down to long-term contracts and aren't going fucking anywhere. We've also got good owners, as you say, owners who've learned from the mistakes, owners who've come good and are now backing the manager and the project that they're putting money into. This isn't like 13-14 where everything's going to fall apart. This is our first chance. Yeah. If we and, and without having... I'm not going to use that dreaded th- phrase, but we've got... You know, a good three, four year sort of era here where if we, it won't be surprising to anybody if we win the league over the, like, if, if it's not this know. season, whether it's next season, the season after, you know, there's, it's, this isn't, this isn't it. And I think that's what people, again, context is everything. You've just got to look at the bigger picture and go, look, if we don't do it this year, We'll add a we'll add we'll add an Abiel Fakir or somebody of that quality to, to to be a bit more creative in midfield. We'll add another centre back to real really partner Van Dyke, and then we'll go again next year. Yeah. That's what football. We is. were twenty five points behind Manchester yeah. City last yeah. season. We're a point behind them now with nine to go. I think we're sixteen points off our entire points total in the two thousand eight two thousand and nine season. I think we got finished with eighty six. Was it in two thousand eight right. two thousand nine? Okay. Yeah. And that's the best Premier League side that, that Liverpool had ever had. We've got nine games to get sixteen points to beat our best ever. Yeah. Right, and we might get ninety five and not win this league, but that doesn't mean that we can't close the gap and overtake them next season. A season's a long time in football, and you put so much emotion in that that's why it hurts. You don't want to write off a season in January like we've done too many times in the Premier League yeah. era. But that isn't the case. This is the start of a cycle. You're absolutely right. We've got the the the, the bones and the and, and and the spine of an incredible squad, and we don't have the funds because we're not cheating first and foremost mm. uh, that Manchester City have. But you know what? We'll add our one, two players at a time, and we'll be better than ne- we'll be better next season for it. Uh, so we'll focus a little bit on Burnley before we get into the questions at the end of the show. Um, I think for me, you know, we'll start. I think he, I think I think he I think he will. I think it's a, I think it's probably having had another week's rest now. I mean, we we we're actually I think we're probably quite fortunate that we're not in the first round of Champions League fixtures um, because you know if you look at Tottenham. They've got it. They they basically have two games a week, and I know we'll have two games a week. We we'll just have that fixture next week, but I think it'd be nice. I think it's nice for us now to not have just a bit of oh, a yeah. respite. Oh yeah, energy sapping Old Trafford and yeah. Goodison as yeah, well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So I think I think it's fallen quite nicely for us there. Um, so I think I think he'll be doing his training this week. He'll be back in it, and I, th- I think I'd like to see him start. Um, you know, why would I? Why wouldn't I? Um, you know, if he's fit enough to do so, we'll we'll see. But I think. Again, it's a bit Burnley. Burnley are coming back into form. Obviously, they've recently beaten Tottenham. They're looking a lot more like the Burnley of last season rather than the Burnley of before Christmas. But this again feels a bit more like Watford for me, where mm. we've got to go out and just sort of not really a get out of, win not or? really get out of second gear, but still win three four nil. Yeah, like that's what I, we've I think that's do. important. I, I I couldn't care less if it was a statement win. I just think a comfortable victory because yeah. that's what this season was built on and we seem to forget it. It was those 2-0 victories without conceding a goal and just scoring a couple yeah. and then having done. And I think we need to we need to think about Bayern Munich. We need yeah. to conserve energy. And I'll be honest with you, 
if it means Firmino doesn't start this game and starts against Bayern, I'd take that. Because I still think we've got the quality. We've got, to, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, still yeah. think we've got the quality to beat Burnley. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll obviously get onto the uh, build-up show over the course of the next couple of days and the start eleven prediction. Let's get in uh, to some of the questions. And this is a really interesting one, actually. Um, from Sean Privilege in our Redman TV subscribers Facebook group. Um, is there a difference between supporters and fans? Do supporters support their team through good and bad, through storms? And mm-hmm. fans follow the team and watch the game and buy a shirt and are less likely to be there in times of need. Is this what we are seeing right now? Not meaning to cause issues, it's a genuine question. Um, do you want me to take this one first? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. I think it's very... Rocky ground, splitting it like that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I think fans can be supporters, and I think supporters can be fans at the same time. Um, I think I'm really fortunate to live in Liverpool and be able to show my support for the side. Ultimately, I'm still a fan, but I am also a supporter. I think you can have the most passionate fans in the world and the most passionate supporters in the world. I think, you know, let's, let's, let's use the foreign fans thing, mm-hmm. right? There are people who live in America and who live in Australia and who live in Germany and all over the world who are just as passionate as me about football. They just don't get the opportunity to be a supporter for whatever. I'm a really passionate fan of the Minnesota Vikings, but I've never been there. Mm-hmm. But I am passionate. I watch every single game. I stay up late. I, you know, exactly. You know, and I would hate to think that people thought of me thought less of me because I haven't got the money to go over and watch a game in Minnesota because I've got a family and kids that I've got to try and put food on the table for. I can't afford to go over there. Mm-hmm. It just It's one of those things. So I, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it, I, think, I, wouldn't yeah be, I, I wouldn't be drawing a line there, yeah. but I do feel that supporters are the people that go to the game. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're any less of a fan than a person who doesn't get to go to the game. No, I, I think I th- yeah, no, it it does. It absolutely does. I think I think I pretty much agree. I think I I I, I agree. Yeah, that's what I agree on. I agree that there is a difference between supporters and fans, but I don't think that that what's written down is the definition of the difference. Yeah. Because again, you know, we went out. So we went out to Australia a couple of years ago. My dad's mate, who's emigrated there in the last five years, now lives in Melbourne. And he's a Liverpool fan, but he stays up until four in the morning. He'll get up at four in the morning to watch us play. The Champions League final, now look, that's a massive event. But he got up at like three in the morning to watch that game, to watch our goalie through throw two goals in his in his own goal. Did that make him care any less? Did that mean he didn't stay up for the next game? Then no, no, not at all. He's gonna do that every single time. And you know, it, that is almost as much of a show of support than than we can offer because you know it, it's it's not just with the NFL you know with the NFL it the, the it's not the harsh it's not as harsh of timings for us when you know we watch that I mean I won't stay up for like the half one in the morning game because I'm not as passionate about it as you are but like you know sometimes they start at like half seven you know you get away with it with Australia it's pretty much the middle of the night like yeah. every time and they stay up yeah and, and they that's stay how up they, or that's they how get they up. show their yeah. support and that and that is what it is I don't I, I completely agree with you I, I think there is a difference between supporters and fans in the way that you said I think you know I think there are people there are also there are people who do this yeah. but that isn't what we should label them there are there are fans who don't just aren't simply as bothered and and you know they're, they're there for the good time and that's the way it is but again I don't think it, I, don't, I just don't think you know, it's the, as black the, and white the, the as mad this. thing is I don't think Liverpool are the prime example of this I was I was um 
uh, everyone knows I've been on the kickoff for the last couple of weeks and stuff, and I've watched games with other fans of other clubs, and some people just don't care as much as we do. No. And it's mad. I'm like, what? Really? Mm. Really? They don't, like, Liverpool fans watch the football. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all that they do. Like, and I've got mates of mine who are, who are fans, but there's, you know, they just switch off. Yeah. And that's fine. Well, I've got, that's I've fine got as mates, well. But I've they got still mates, support I've us. got mates who are Wigan fans, right? And they go, it's the bizarre that some people, uh, I just find, and I love him to bits. He's, he, I live with him, I love him to bits. He goes all the way around the country following Wigan, right? And that is support, right? You know, they're, they're not very good, put it that way. You know, I went to watch one of the games the other week. But when he goes on these away trips, they won't make it into the ground till like half an hour in the game because they've been in the pub. I'm like, and I don't get that. And it's like, well, it's part of the day and all this. And he comes back at me because, you know, I struggle to get to away games because it's so difficult for us to get a ticket half the time. But, like, he's like, oh, you just don't get it because you don't go away games. I'm going, but when I go to away games, I'd be going to watch the football. Yeah, I'd go for a few beforehand, but I don't understand the, the culture of showing up at half time. What's the score, lads? I yeah, don't, I, you know, mad that, that is mad. But is he any less, does that make him any less of a supporter? Because he's still spending the money and going to support his team. I don't, I know. But so that's what I mean. It's not as black and white as <laughs> no, what we're seeing on this piece of paper. It's no and, and it's a good question. It's a good question. It is. But it's not, I don't, just don't think it's as black and white as that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, our good friend Aubrey Reynolds, formerly <laughs> of Redmen TV at Oob, with possibly the worst question <sighs> that I've ever seen. Hardest no. fucking Hard. question. Jesus. <laughs> You horrendous. have to swap out a player from our squad for a player from each of the non-top six sides to make it better. What is your squad? So basically, choose 14 players to sack off out your squad and choose another 14 players, one from each of the other sides in the Premier League. Um, I went onto the Premier League website. You can play along with this at home. I went onto the Liverpool website, apologies, and went onto the first team. Uh, I then sacked off Brewster, Sturridge, Woodburn, Phillips, Moreno, Mignolet, Kelleher, Lalana, Jones, Camacho, Origi, Lovren, Henderson, <laughs> and Oxley Chamberlain. Oxley Chamberlain. Right. Right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but before I get into that, I think most of the players you'd understand yeah. that I had to get rid of 14. I didn't want to get rid of Hendo and Ox. But Ox is fucking injured. And I was like, I am not sure what type of player comes back in the first nine games. I'm hoping that he's going to be great. Yeah. But I, but I swapped it's him. T- it's hard. I, I, can, I can see the logic. It's tough. It's I, I tough. don't know if I've done that. I've not, I've definitely, I've not done Who that. Who did you sack off? So I've stacked off Origi, Sturridge, Jones, Milner, Lalana, Camacho, Moreno, Phillips, Lovren, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> Mignolet and I'll explain the logic okay why Trent why Trent because I've got Wamba Saka in okay and I've got that's basically it's not uh, Trent's better than Wamba Saka but it's pretty much the like it's not as much of a drop off it's not like you go in I don't know it, I, I didn't want to get rid of another centre back I'm trying to do it like for like best I can and I'm like well you're getting a quality player with Wamba Saka if, if I get rid of Trent so in your new Liverpool first team yeah are there any other players apart from Wan Bissaka who who is a non Liverpool player? Well, the thing is, what, what I've, I think I've done the question in a different format to you because I've just what I've done is here is just written the eleven of other top six sides that I would have like of the players that I've picked. So I doubt no, I doubt that I would have. Who's your starting right back in your new Liverpool squad? Wan Bissaka. Anybody but, else? Um, 
No, no, I wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have anybody else. I mean, Callum Wilson's a good player. I've, I've got Callum Wilson in the squad, but I'm not having him over for me or anything like that. So, so the the eleven that I've got written down here, these are the players that I've taken and I've put together a team of players that I've taken. Basically, that's the way I've done it. Why is that strange? Because you're supposed to put a squad. I know, but as you were well aware, I was became aware of this question with about five minutes before we went on air, and I panicked and just did the dish. So, <laughs> so I kind of didn't do it right. Okay. So, who are the players that you took? So, I've got Tom Eaton from Burnley. Yeah. I've got Wambasaka from Palace. I've got Jamal Lascelles from Newcastle. I've got um, I've got Dan Byrne from Brighton, who I know from Wigan, who's a good player. Um, I've got Ryan Bertram from Southampton. I've got I play a four four two. I've got Richarlison from Everton. You play a four four two. Yeah. Okay. Because it, again, five minutes before we went on air, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got Ruben Neves. Yeah. I've got Decore. Mm-hmm. I've got Marko Anatovic. Yeah. I've got Callum Wilson. Yeah. And I've got Jamie Vardy. Okay. And then that, also a... I've nabbed. Harry, I've also got Harry Arter from Cardiff. Yeah. And I've got Lursel from um, um, Huddersfield. And I think. I think that's all of them, but I don't know, is the answer. So okay, so I did it. You've done it in a much more organised way. The right way. <laughs> um, <laughs> except I've got rid of the ox. I'm not happy about getting rid of the ox, but I mentioned he's injured, so you know what? If he's going to not get in the side for another four or five weeks, I've picked some, some decent players. So Brewster I took out and I put Punching in from Huddersfield. Yeah. I like Jason Punching. I've yeah. always liked him, to be honest with you. I think he's a good little player and he's a squad player. Sturridge, Glenn Murray. Um, Woodburn, Zaha, Crystal mm-hmm. Palace. Uh, Phillips for Nathan Ake. Moreno for Junior Hoylet from Cardiff. Mignolet for Heaton from Burnley. Uh, Kelleher for Sessegnon from Fulham. Uh, I know he's not a goalkeeper, but so. For Lalana, I took Felipe Anderson from West Ham. I took Sean Longstaff from Newcastle. I took Andre Gray from Watford. Vardy from Leicester. Vestergaard from Southampton. Gomez from Everton. And Neves from Wolves. And on here, I've got a depth chart. Okay. Right. So, my first team is Alisson, Trent, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robbo, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Cater, Salah, Firmino, Mane. Okay. So it's so still our first yeah. team. Obviously, Matip, second choice centre-back here. Yeah. Milner's my back-up right-back. Matip and Ake with Vestergaard and Huyler to back-up centre-halves. Sessegnon's my back-up to Robbo. Neves is my back-up to Fabinho or Wijnaldum, whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Gomez and Shaqiri, Longstaff and Punching are my back-up midfielders. And I've got um, Felipe Anderson, Zaha, Gray as my back-up wingers and Vardy and Glenn Murray as my back-up strikers. I feel like I might have improved on our squad there. Yeah, I think you probably have. I think you've definitely paid attention to the question yeah. for a lot longer than yeah. I have and I think it shows <laughs> and I've, the thing is right I've not even got a full answer for the question that I'm good that I spent the most time on <laughs> that we're going to discuss later on that I took all the time up to doing this so all in all I've had a mare <laughs> right, final question of the day uh, postgrad Phil well done by the way on your degree I'm going to guess you got a, a, a Desmond um, let me know in the comment section whether you did get a Desmond or not Um Chris and Tom versus Paul and Ben tag team wrestling match. Who wins? It's you and Tom all Thank day you. long. Yeah. I know it is. Um, <laughs> There's no need for discussion. No, no. I just wanted you to say it. Stupid question. Well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just. I'm small. I'm small. And it's like Undertaker and I know who's the little guy with the. Oh, oh I don't know. Double double. Double, double. I wasn't thinking him. I was thinking of the six one nine guy. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio over there. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, right. Like me and Tom would batter you, but 
Paul's got a bit of like ring nouse, shall we say? I reckon okay. if it's wrestling, you know, I think he's like scratching your eyes out oh, and okay. throwing stuff in your yeah. face and stuff like that. I don't know. So you think we'd have a chance? No, I don't think he's got a chance. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That has been uh, the main podcast this week. The stresses and strains of a title challenge. I've been Chris Pajak. That's been Ben Kelly. Big thank you to Bailey uh, behind the glass as well. Uh, leave me your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comments section below. Don't forget to like the video. Subscribe to Red Men TV on YouTube if you haven't already. Or if you just enjoy podcasts, um, subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating on Acast or iTunes or whatever your podcast players. If you've watched the video and you like us on podcasts, do that as well. It's fantastic. Everything from the RedmenTV.com is available in podcast form now so you can take it with you so you can stream it you can download it you can do whatever you want but seriously thank you very much for supporting the Redmen TV on this incredible journey this season uh, with this football team let's hope we can turn our poor form around and really really just go and win the title this year to be honest with you thanks for bye a new year is full of surprises but one thing is always predictable postage costs go up Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.